Hello everybody, welcome to the ICS podcast. My name is Martin Calvert, I'm the marketing director here at ICS Digital and ICS Translate. Today we've got a returning uh, guest, which is Jack Matheson, who's digital design specialist here at ICS. So Jack, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks Martin, really good to be back for a second time. Yeah, well we're going to hone in on a very specific and very timely topic at the moment. Um, For this episode, we're looking at AI and the nature of AI when it comes to design principles and how it might impact um, how companies feel about design as a discipline, what they might do for campaigns, some of the um, current areas of debate, for example, copyright and so on. And we'll try and cover as much as we possibly can um, with the caveat that, um, you know, it is an evolving um, scenario. So, yeah. We'll have to all wait and see how things actually pan out in reality. But as a reminder for listeners, what is it you do on a day-to-day basis here at ICS? Yeah, yes, sir. I'm a digital design specialist here at ICS. So I work directly in our design and development team, uh, basically uh, sort of contributing in like a very sort of direct way to the um, campaigns that we do like with all our clients. Um, yes, yeah, so like working on things like website designs, infographics, any sort of form of, you know, like visual assets, essentially, I'll yeah, sort of be involved with um, stakeholders on that, um, you know, like like other designers on the team uh, and basically yeah, just like bringing the client's vision to life, really, and yeah, just like realising the, yeah, design project. So, I mean, it's, it's a very wide-ranging role, but mm-hmm. um, if there were probably two common threads, it might be the, you know, very creative design that we do for, um, for example, PR campaigns or for particularly um, innovative website or uh, content marketing campaigns. And then there's, you know, uh, the more, I suppose, everyday aspects of design. So like web graphics and banners and things of that nature. And it's kind of interesting to consider AI in, in those contexts. So the how creative can it be usefully and then how labor saving might it be for the everyday design tasks um when did you first realize that ai might become something related to your role this is a good question i was having to think about this before and it's hard for me to like pinpoint an exact time where i was like right you know this is you know sort of all going to change but i think one one um new um thing that really kind of changed my sort of perception on it and, you know, how I thought that it could be integrated into my role was, you know, the rise of things like mid-journey and stable diffusion where essentially you can, like, use a text-based prompt to generate something that's completely new, you know, like a completely new visual. I think, yeah, you know, the rise of tools like that made me kind of open my eyes and think, you know, this is really going to change the industry, like, um, yeah, basically just sort of being able, you know, to generate like a new image, like a new graphic based on like a text prompt. Um, so I think that that kind of like is a bit of a turning point. That's when I was like, okay, you know, we can actually harness this and use it in, you know, like projects, maybe for things like generating ideas or getting to like a, um, a visual concept quicker um, and, yeah, iterating like through ideas. I mean, that's an interesting point because, again, that's another application for... Even text-based AI is text-based AI, rather. Um, you know, the more iterative approach. You know, prompting you with uh, twenty options to kind of use your um, discernment to figure out what the best opp- opportunity might be, or in this case, looking at um, different design choices. You know, prototyping that type of thing. 
But now it feels like things are going beyond even that, and you you know we're moving very quickly to a point where at least some design tasks you, you could potentially foresee in the next year, two years, the entire uh, end product being done with AI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like that's like a, a, a fair reflection of the pace, or uh, are there serious things that are going to undercut that? I think like yes and no. Like I think one strength, you know, like you say, like it has. Um, has strengths and value in being able to generate quick concepts and, you know, iterating through maybe different variations, you know, of a design, which will typically, you know, like for the designer be more like of a manual kind Mm of, almost like an admin job kind of, um, you know, but yeah, it can certainly speed that up in terms of like how it can be applied to maybe other areas of, you know, the design process. I think, um, you know, we are starting to see more, automated processes happening you know with things like chat gpt auto um auto gpt as well which can essentially basically work through like a a series of tasks that form a part of a whole you know so for example on like a design project it could be coming up with uh, you know competitor examples that align with a certain Mm -hmm. style um direction um and then pulling that together quickly, you know, so the designer can instantly look at um, sort of opportunities, you know, for improvement or, you know, sort of differences. Um, so it can speed that up. So, you know, um, that is a good a good sort of use of it. Um, but I think where it's lacking at the minute is like pulling together maybe different, um, you know, perspectives from stakeholders who mm-hmm. might be involved in a project, um, you know, like jumping on a call and kind of, on like a very human to human level, like working through that feedback and then, you know, strategizing how to apply it to the, you know, to the visual. I think that's where it's probably lacking at the minute. So it's not as if, you know, you could sort of task an AI with a full project and, you know, from start to finish, you will be able to do it. But I think eventually it will get there. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's very difficult when it comes into that, that human factor um, because I guess what, what uh, when we're talking about AI of any stripe, it's basically dealing with learning models and aggregation of existing material to try and come up with something that fits, you know, uh, some something that resembles something adequate, whereas an individual client might have very specific goals. Um, some They might not want to be average, you know, an average example of best practice, they might want something more innovative or more um, reflective of them and their brand. And that's kind of where, you know, AI doesn't have the ability to interrogate that yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we can foresee a point where, you know, individuals get better at writing these prompts, but there's also also a limit to how much you can say, I suppose, and then also how much the, the platform can interpret that prompt, however detailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite... Uh, you know, like, yeah, it, it's a strange feeling when you, you know, you use these text-based art generators, if that's what you want to call them, like, you know, you on one hand, you can argue that, well, you know, they're only as good as, you know, the user. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's all about the prompts, like, um, and, you know, like, from my experience, yeah, it kind of is about the prompts, but it, it's a strange, you know, sort of phenomena when you put something into um, mid-journey, you know, like, prompt like whatever it is and then something that you get from that you know like the output is just wildly different to what you thought was Mm. possible you know like you think ah well yeah I wouldn't have ever thought of that myself so it's like you know the ownership of where you know the sort of idea 
came from, you kind of feel like you, yeah, almost like it's alien in a way. Well, this is it's a- really good for, yeah, um, sparking new sort of avenues of, yeah, of where to take like a particular creative. Well, and that, and that can work in, in both ways. I think, you know, sometimes they're referred to as hallucinations by mm-hmm. the platforms, you know, things that might not be reflective of, you know, what a normal answer you'd anticipate. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be very bad because you're getting something that's unusable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it can be good if it's something you literally would never have thought of. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, you know, the ownership and where does the idea come from and who's responsible, it makes me think a little bit of something that I'm going to misremember and mischaracterize very badly, I expect. But Brian Eno used um, a process um, that involved the creation of random uh, card prompts. Mm-hmm. It was his oblique strategies um, card set. And that was, um, you know, in a studio recording, musicians would pick a card at random if they were stuck. And it would give some very non-musical advice that would, you know, be designed to prompt another way of looking at a task. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we release this podcast, we'll, I'll try and link to that in the comments. But again, that that is also potentially a very, you know, 50-year-old example of, um, you know, something external without a consciousness of its own guiding and shaping the creative process. So, I mean, you know, maybe it's not too different to that type of thing. Mm. Or even, you know, there's definitely artists who do things like, um, you know, paintings that are randomly generated and Mm. all that kind of stuff. So it's difficult to see where um, this might uh, begin or end or how specific it is to AI. Um, I've taken things back into a less, less philosophical level. What do you think are the biggest opportunities and risks for AI in design? So I think, yeah, um, yeah. If I kind of get into the headspace of, you know, like a typical like design project where you might start, you know, looking at research, looking at, you know, examples of the sorts of, you know, end product that you're hoping to get to, I think, um, yeah, in terms of speeding that up. So, yeah, increasing efficiencies, like, you know, I'm absolutely taking the kind of maybe the more tedious work, um, I suppose you could say, like out of that initial process of you know just pulling together um examples that you know you might want to work from it can certainly speed that up um you know like through using yeah your sort of your generative ai tools like um mid-journey stable diffusion um yeah the open ai stuff that's that's like a really big um, opportunity so you know you can obviously spend more time on um tweaking that and you know like refining that further into something you know that you want to um use so i think yeah increasing efficiencies in that initial research um, stage and then when we come to like maybe sort of design systems um and you know making lots of variations of a particular component you know for example it could it could be like you know a button component or you know like a card component like you know traditionally you know the designer would be um responsible for looking at how that sort of button looks on multiple different breakpoints and screen sizes and it can often be like a bit of a manual repetitive job to mm-hmm. to style that um and it can be the same sorts of um 
values and modifications you know you're making to those components no matter what project it's in so i think yeah speeding up um that part of working on design systems so we're seeing like uh, tools like figma starting to um apply that into their products now um so yeah you know you can ultimately spend more time on the creative aspects and solving those like more strategic design problems rather than on the like i guess what you could call more like manual artwork or style jobs um so yeah i guess they're two like practical opportunities um well and also to I see guess. where something doesn't work you know yeah because it's not possible to mm-hmm. as an individual designer muck up every possible permutation mm-hmm. forever of yeah exactly yeah. a design um you know principle so yeah. if if automation can do that then you can see okay well that works great that button works great on a website works mm-hmm. great on our email marketing yeah yeah but just doesn't work on something else yeah yeah yeah. you know that can you know rule things in and out pretty quick and that's that's, that's, a, that's a very practical thing it's not necessarily a creative thing it's that's mm-hmm. something where it can be yeah. as, assisting the, the kind of human design mm-hmm. element yeah, yeah. Is, is there a, oh i mean how how conscious are you of the the low barrier to entry to try this stuff out. So, for example, you know, I am absolutely not a design specialist in any way whatsoever, but I am capable of writing a text prompt. Mm-hmm. Prompt. Yeah, yeah. And like, is that dangerous? Like having lots of um, not particularly informed people writing prompts and coming out with results that are not very good, or you know. That kind of thing, or is it on? You know, or, or does it help people who might not be able to articulate what they want? Um, does it help them to give more examples to guide a designer? I think um, if it's used correctly, it is like you know a good thing. You know, for everyone, I think a lot of creatives are scared of it. It's like you know, like everyone's saying, "Well, you know, I've sort of spent years and years learning the art of." you know, maybe like photo manipulation or, you know, the sort of more technical aspects of, you know, digital art, like, you know, using brushes on Photoshop and textures and, you know, sort of taking elements, you know, from other images and then combining them into something new when, yeah, you know, like you say that the you know, the untrained layman can then just basically achieve the same mm. output or, you know, like an output that is really indiscernible from um you know, the manual mm-hmm. method within a few seconds and minutes. So I think um, low barrier to entry is like, um, I'm not really concerned about it because I still think uh, that, you know, the sort of design aspects is more about solving a problem and taking, you know, that initial output and then refining it further. So like, I think there's more skill involved in that. And like you said at the end, as well as a second point, I think it's really good that, um, people who might be not as confident with, you know, the more advanced aspects of sort of design can mm-hmm. get to a idea that, you know, they can actually share and go, you know, I would like something like this. Yeah, I think that's more and more inclusive as well in the, in the broadest sense as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when we think about what, you know, design is worth, which is a, almost a horrible phrase, but what it's worth in, in the context that we're talking about, you know, the agency landscape and, you know, for internal teams as well, the investment isn't really for the time taken to produce something. What people really are paying for is the inspiration and the end result and the problems that you solve. Yeah. And it makes me think of, you know, like various viral videos where people are saying, well, if I design a logo for you in a week, um, do I deserve to get paid less than somebody who takes four weeks? Because 
if so, then you're punishing me for being efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so a focus on the end result is um, not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, may, it might also make things more competitive, you know, yeah. if some of the fundamentals, the, the mechanics of design can be done with automation. You've then got to step up with the inspiration, creative, problem-solving side. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, that that, that really is the, the like... Um, it's a skill that is the core of, you know, sort of like design. Uh, like, you know, it's taking like a, a user journey or like a, a particular um, circumstance and then solving, you know, like a problem that, that um, is there. And, you know, like that's not like always through spending loads of time on the actual manual aspects of it. It's, you know, the sort of, yeah, the strategy behind it. And, um, yeah, so I think... Yeah, I'm not worried. Um, I'm excited by it, and I think yeah, there's a lot of opportunities, um, you know, for creatives to like bring this this um, new technology into the workflow. Yeah, I mean, and as we said at the outset, it is something that's in development. It is moving very, very rapidly. But like, what would you say are some of the pros and cons of current AI tools? And yeah, I mean, feel free to name any in particular if you feel like it. But I mean, what in terms of the current state of play, what are some of the benefits and what are some of the, the shortcomings that people should be mindful of? Yeah. So good questions. Um, I mean, we've kind of touched on a couple, I guess, but yeah, increased efficiency. So yeah, so getting rid of, you know, these repetitive tasks, um, you know, particularly when it comes to sort of design systems and things like that. Um, again, we've got like enhanced creativity or maybe, you know, generating ideas, you know, that you wouldn't have thought of, you know, yourself. So yeah, pushing, you know, the sort of boundary of, of you know, solutions that you might be able to then feed back into your project. Um, like streamlining um, workflows and integrating, you know, different sort of AI tools and, you know, maybe, you know, we're sort of getting them to work together. So um, I've seen, you know, some good examples of people using um, chat GPT to like generate a prompt, which Mm -hmm. you then take uh, and input into things like mid journey and, you know, things like that and sort of playing them, you know, like both off each other in a way. Um, Another like practical example that I've been using is is Photoshop's new Firefly feature, mm-hmm. which is essentially, um, yeah, it's like a more advanced version of the content-aware fill, which has really been in Photoshop, you know, for quite a few years. And essentially it's basically using AI to, you know, predict what like a new area of, you know, the image would be based on the pixels that are there. So, you know, a common example is maybe removing, you know, a background and, um, yeah, extending an image when, you know, like you need an extra sort of bit of um, space on the canvas. So, yeah, that's like a really good example. Takes a lot of um, stress out of maybe needing to find, you know, the correct image. Um, So, yeah, pros, I'd probably say those. And then cons, um, yeah, there's a lot of... of, um, yeah, things to sort of counteract those pros. So a common argument is um, it's kind of taking out the human element, you know, that that human creativity. Um, and it might it might sort of get to a point where all of the output, you know, like from the AI kind of looks the same or like it maybe takes on the same style. I know that Mid Journey has like um, it's, its sort of distinct um, abstract art style. 
Um, so that's you know something to kind of watch out for. Mm. Um, then we've got the ethical concerns as well. So the source of you know these images that um, Midjourney and other tools, you know, like Stable Diffusion um, and the OpenAI stuff, are kind of trained on a lot of creatives are kind of not happy with um, you know the um, sort of copyright situation and you know the fact that. Um, their own kind of property essentially has been fed into this big um yeah like machine and then used without uh, you know permission so yeah ethical concerns and then i think just like um a potential risk is just getting too like reliant on these tools mm. i think as well um and yeah over time if people kind of get used to having you know like an uh like a mock-up or like a concept kind of there within seconds, it could potentially um, take out that um, autonomy and, you know, the independent free thinking that, you know, designers should kind of still um, maintain. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot, a lot in there. About. I mean, there's loads in there, yeah. It's like, well, potential for de-skilling as well, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, I'm also very conscious with the text-based AI platforms like what happens if AI continues to learn off of other bits of AI-generated content? Mm -hmm. And then that can, you know, exacerbate some of the issues that you mentioned there with stuff looking a bit samey. It might start to get around some of the copyright considerations and the kind of, you know, ethical side of that. But, um, you know, if things do tend towards some kind of average aggregate middle you're potentially losing anything that makes you special. And I think that's kind of where, you know, maintaining the integrity of design principles is really important. Um, and I think, you know, there'll be lots of brands who are very conscious of that because they are, you know, very brand-led in their approach in general. I think a lot of companies that sell fairly commoditized products that do lead on brand, they'll be very aware of the need to embody what they do in different ways apart from just the product. But there's always going to be temptation for others um, to take some shortcuts that might be damaging in, in the long run. In terms of some of those platforms you mentioned, like Stable Diffusion and Midjourney, are there any that you're more optimistic about than others? Any that you feel that people should give a try if they've got the time? I think the Photoshop uh, Firefly uh, is good. So they've just released that in the sort of beta version of Photoshop. So that's that's really good because, you know, for the first time it's kind of taking, uh, you know, the sort of like the generative AI uh, functionality and then putting it inside almost like an industry standard uh, tool, you know. Yeah, so, so that should be accessible to a lot of people right now. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, that's good. Uh, I guess... Like stable diffusion is good uh, when compared to mid-journey because um, mid-journey is quite basic and you can prompt it and you have to rely on your know, Discord server, which is great and you know the output is good. But stable diffusion offers things like in-painting and out-painting, so basically taking an existing image and then um, either extending it and you know you get more uh, sort of controls with the stable diffusion. But yeah, I'd recommend you know people start to try you know like some of these out and. They've all got their pros and cons, and you know they're only as good as the kind of training set that yeah you know they've sort of been trained on. But um, yeah, I would one hundred percent like recommend uh, trying the Photoshop one. Yeah. So I mean, as we said, like they're not the finished article yet, though. You know, lots of fun to play around with, and definitely lots of practical applications in the here and now. Um, but you know, sometimes weird things happen. Um, what kind of odd or peculiar outputs have you seen 
that um, you, know, you know AI platforms have generated. Yeah, the yeah the just strangely like you know as you said hallucinogenic and it's almost kind of feels like you know you're inside like a dream state like when you look at some of the output but it can never seem to get like human hands right mm. so if yeah like hands that are yeah like a handshake or like clasped hands it kind of gets them almost there um mm. And it is really kind of uncanny to see because it really does feel like it's just been taken here from a dream. So um, it can often like get, you know, the likeness of famous people mm. or, you know, celebs, like not quite right. Um, so I think that is probably like, yeah, a weakness of it as well. Um, and what other things I've seen? I think I did one the other day, um, when I was having a play around where it was like uh, like a cat asleep on a couch and then like the top half was um, a cat asleep on the couch but you know the bottom half of the cat had like human legs and human feet and it was just really strange and you know you can kind of almost put yourself into the shoes of you know the AI and kind of be like well yeah I get why I see you how you think. did that yeah which is quite strange to say but um, yeah so that was a weird one um yeah, yeah. Lots of yeah, examples. Need to apologise to listeners. This was a poor question for me for a, an audio format, but we'll try, we're happy to share examples of <laughs> AI monstrosities yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, it is it is really interesting to see, like, just to consider these kind of hallucinations, and you know, what um, will go into the uncanny valley that people will be unsettled but not know why. Some stuff people will see is obviously wrong, but then there's also, and this, this goes for again textual AI stuff as well. There's plenty of stuff that looks plausibly fine, uh, but you won't know unless you look really closely or if you're a subject matter expert. And I think that's where there is scope for stuff to slip through the cracks because it seems all right. And we've seen I've seen it a lot in textual AI content. Something reads well, seems to be logical, but if you know the subject matter about, I don't know, law or chemistry or whatever, it's actually insane. Yeah. But to an outside layperson, it looks okay. And I think there's going to be lots of visual examples of that where something will just be fundamentally misrepresented, but it won't be caught mm -hmm. because the AI doesn't know mm -hmm. what it's um, referring to and the observer doesn't know the intricacies. So I think that's going to happen quite a lot. And I can see people getting in trouble for that. Yeah, I think so. And I think, like, you know, regulation is the kind of answer to that. Like, mm. I don't know what format that will take on, but, um, yeah, I think it's like any new technology that, yeah, you know, there's that sort of uh, period where it's a bit of, like, a grey area and, mm. you know, like we're not quite how to use it and, you know, like, there's extreme examples of, you know, things maybe going wrong. But I think, yeah, like, um, I think, like, regulating that and, and yeah, sort of, like healthily integrated mm -hmm. like the technology. Well, we've touched upon that a little bit before, so that might be a good question to finish up on. You know, mm -hmm. some of the potential copyright implications, yes. what are your kind of observations on that? Bearing in mind that, you know, it is an evolving area. Yeah. So, I mean, if, you know, like, again, we take mid-journey, for example, um, it's been trained essentially on this, this huge sort of, um, like, database of, image and text pairs you know that's essentially kind of what it is and it's essentially just reversing um that you know to spot patterns um in images when you prompt it you know for a certain like uh, string or like a certain word essentially um so there's a big like hoo-ha around well if i'm an artist and you know my image is in that uh you know 
training set of images that has been then used to generate a new image it's like you know where kind of does the the um ownership lie or you know like what are the ethics around that um and yeah it's quite like a complex um situation and you know you can you can understand why like many artists who have probably kind of built up their you know profession or their um career with a particular style or Mm -hmm. Like a particular um, USP that has then basically just been fed into an AI, and then anyone you know, like without skill, can just replicate that. Um, but then you know the argument of um, companies like Midjourney is that well, it is like a new, you know, like piece of artwork. Like it, yeah, it sort of didn't you know exist before you prompted you know the AI. So it's mm. like well, if it's like a new thing, um, then what's the issue? But then you know the the sort of the argument to that is that well it's kind of adopting my style so that yeah. it kind of is part of my set of work so yeah i mean um, it's, it's a really big topic areas. definitely it's one where there, i mean there are some you know comparable situations outside of ai you know i, I kind of immediately think of the art world you got like damien hurst who had you know many 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 assistants painting dots for him you know i oh. think michelangelo and all those kind of individuals had like massive teams of assistants actually doing physical painting and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so i guess it comes down to what what is the bit that you own is it the concept or is mm. it the implementation <laughs> um and again yeah. you know if it is the concept if that is what people settle on then it does raise the bar a little bit for you know what role design has the purpose the problems it solves the opportunities it opens up yeah not necessarily the nuts and bolts of how things are achieved although as we've discussed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know the nuts and bolts are really important not to allow inaccuracies to creep in or problems to form or for inspiration to be lost so right well we covered quite a bit there in a comparatively short amount of time you talked about copyright, the nature of authorship, uh, the different tools and their current applications, potential future applications, um, you know, all manner of things. So, Jack, thanks again for coming back to the podcast and taking a deep dive into this particular topic, which is, uh, yeah, something we're asked about on an almost daily basis at the moment. So, many thanks. Yep. Cheers, Matt. Thanks a lot. One, two, one.